Hey, it's good to be here with you guys again. I was here last week, and I, and I love the opportunity of being here again today as we finish up our series on togetherness. And we've been kind of, our overview of this book is this idea that Ephesians is a vision of a beautifully diverse church living in perfect unity, shining the light of Christ in a dark world. That's what we've been looking at week in and week out. And I just want to start today by asking a question. How many of you have found that this might be a little more difficult to do than you might think, right? I mean, last week we talked about our homes and, and having that togetherness in our homes. Maybe that's where you found it to be the most difficult. Maybe it's difficult just with family and friends and people outside your homes. Because there is so much going on, you're finding that togetherness and that, to, that unity is a little bit more difficult uh, especially in the current culture that we're in. I mean, when we started this series, right? I mean, the racial tension and the issues began that unrest right in the midst of this global pandemic. And so, man, when talk about unrest, talk about uncertainty, I mean, we still have a lot of uncertainty going on into the future. And I would say that, that we are in a time right now, at least for me, throughout my life, where the, uh, you know, the polarized differences and the tension of disunity is as, good, as great as it's ever been uh, in my lifetime, at least. And then also that uncertainty. We still don't know what that new normal is going to be coming out of all of this pandemic and everything that's going on. So it's a very interesting time. It's a very interesting time, and, and, and for many of us, we're called to make statements, to make opinions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it could be very daunting. Maybe you have felt that too. I know for me, it could be very daunting to sit there and be, I don't know what I think about everything, and to feel this force because of the polarization to, to try to figure that out. So togetherness is a difficult, difficult reality right now. But here's what I want to encourage you about. We must never give up fighting for togetherness. We must never give up fighting for togetherness. You know, over this last uh, you know, week or two, as I've been studying Ephesians and, and kind of going through it, I, I kind of started considering the church in Ephesus. And what we're going to find and what I realized is kind of a sad reality, right, is that this church in Ephesus seemed to not be able to keep up the fight not be able to take what was written to them and, and a lot of people think through them and, and fight for that unity themselves. A matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, they are one of the churches that are spoken about in that book. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Let's see what it says about this church. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men and you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. So you have these, positive, you have these things where they work hard and they're not tolerating wickedness and they're calling out people that are, you know, they, they claim to or believe are false. You've persevered, you've endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. So there, there's, this church is still moving forward, and this church is still enduring. This church is still, you know, uh, focused on some good things, but it's just heartbreaking to think about what they forsook. They forsook love. And I believe this is not just love for God that they forsook, but they forsook love for each other because those two realities cannot be separated, right? Jesus made it very clear 
all throughout the writings in the New Testament, it's very clear. You cannot separate love for God and love for each other. Matthew verse 20, chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, so there's no doubt that those two realities can not be separated. We experience God and we advance his kingdom as we love each other, as we love God, and we can't separate those things out. And that would seek unity and togetherness even in the midst, right, of disagreements, differences of thought, differences of ways of looking at things. We're seeking love for one another. So in light of this, it makes to me like what Ephesians ends with, like how Paul ends in Ephesians chapter six. It just makes it so powerful, such a a powerful reminder of how are we gonna keep together? How are we gonna fight for togetherness? Because it's the very heart of the gospel and it's the very good news of the kingdom of God. So let's look how he starts off in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Finally, finally, with all the things that we've been talking about, with all the different chapter after chapter after chapter about unity and coming together, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, again, I just wanna ask you, man, in light of the whole book, What are the schemes of the devil? Like what is going to be opposed? What is going to be stood against? And probably I would think that what Paul is thinking about, right, is togetherness, is standing against unity. Because here's the reality, is that breaking apart of togetherness, right? That's been the scheme of the devil since the very beginning. This when you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, you see that this is what was accomplished through the schemes of the devil. When you consider Adam and Eve, who were walking in the garden in unity, right? Naked and unashamed, it says. But then through sin, through the temptation, they begin to have shame. They begin to recognize their nakedness. And there's a disunity taking place between them. How do their kids do, Cain and Abel? It just gets worse. Jealousy sinks in and murder is the result as one son kills the other. And then from that point on, we talk, you see throughout, the, you, know, you know, especially Genesis three through 11, violence, hatred, power over others, and this divide ends up happening. This divide ends up happening. And then from that point on, throughout the Old Testament, right, it doesn't get any better. All these laws, all these regulations and rules that ultimately doesn't cause people to come together, it causes more and more divide and ultimately death happens. And then Jesus comes onto the scene. That's the scene where Jesus comes onto. When God becomes flesh and he gives us this new vision of the kingdom of God. And it's the same thing we just looked at, but look what he says in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. So that was Jesus's heart. That was Jesus's vision, right? To love one another. He was bringing the kingdom of love and the kingdom would spread through love. And now when we go throughout the New Testament, we see, I think we see a constant battle of that oneness, of that unity, of that togetherness in Christ. 
It seems like almost every book in the New Testament deals with this in some way. At least a lot of them do. I kind of went through a bunch of them. Let's take a look at some of these verses. In the book of Romans, right? A letter to the Roman church. Live in, verse, in chapter 12. Live at harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So obviously they were being proud. Obviously they weren't living at harmony together. So the writer to the, to the Hebrews, uh, to Rome was, was telling the man, live at harmony this division needs to stop. We need to come together. What about the church in Corinth? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? So they are quarreling. They are battling. They are fighting with each other. They're jealous of each other. So there's divisions going on instead of the unity. And so when we get to the second letter he writes to the Corinthian church, it doesn't seem like it's all that much better in, verse, in chapter 12. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. And you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that when, when Paul comes back to them, right, that there will be quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I'm glad we're not dealing with those things in our culture anymore, right? Especially not in the church. We got it all together. Huh. Galatians, he writes a letter to the church in Galatia. And in chapter five, he says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So he goes back to that teaching to Jesus to love each other as Christ has loved you. And then he says, but if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to destroy each other. It's going to be disunified, and you're going to not be together. It's a very powerful verse. In the book of James, he talks about it. Chapter 3, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. And finally, in 1 Peter chapter 3, finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to that you were called so you may inherit a blessing. You were called to be a blessing, right? You have this Abrahamic promise that through your seed, it says, I will bless all nations, all nations. That would ultimately come through a seed, Jesus Christ. And so this is the blessing that's coming through them, that they're fighting for and struggling with unity and togetherness. And we are still struggling with that to this very day. But I want you to know this, that the battle for togetherness, yeah, it's real but we can face it, overcome it, and continue to advance the cause of Christ in the midst of it. And that's what I hope that you find yourself encouraged by today, that we can continue moving forward, getting this vision of togetherness in and through Christ and keep fighting. So let's jump back into Ephesians 6 and let's look at how Paul's encouraging us to fight and what weapons that we could use. Ephesians 6 verse 12. For our struggle, he says, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, now we're going to stop on this for a couple minutes here, and I want to challenge kind of how you might see this verse, okay? And, and what the fight that's actually going on is. 
you know, the scriptures are clear. We'll look at this in a minute, right? That Christ came and he has victory. He has victory over sin, death, and Satan is what the scriptures talk about through his work on the cross and by his resurrection. Now, what I find is that we often talk about his victory over sin and death. But what I want us to do today, what I want to do this morning is I I think we need to believe and understand that he has victory over Satan as well and the powers and authorities of darkness, they were defeated as well. Let's take a look at some of these key passages, okay? In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus is talking about the work that's going on and what's gonna happen at this work. He says in verse 31, now it's time for judgment on this world. Now, so the judgment on the world is coming. Now, the prince of this world will be driven out. Now. Jesus is talking about what he's going to accomplish through his death and his resurrection and the spirit coming. It's that it is going to, it's a judgment on the world and the prince of this world being driven out. And who's the prince of this world, right? Satan. Now let's go into the New Testament, some other uh, writings in the New Testament, Colossians chapter two, verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, disarm them. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So he disarms these authorities. He disarms these powers through what? The cross. Go back, let's go to Hebrews chapter two, right into the Hebrew church, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. He might, by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, and that is who? The devil. So I just want us to consider here this morning, and I know for some of you, this might be a total, like, different way of looking at it, and maybe you're gonna struggle with this. Maybe you've been raised differently. Maybe you have some different ideas on this, and I understand, that's okay. But I I want us to consider this idea that our fight for togetherness against these spiritual forces that Paul's talking about in Ephesians is out of victory, not for some victory. It's not for some destruction of these powers or or, or overcoming these powers, right? We are fighting out of the victory that is already ours. There is not a battle going on against Satan and his cronies with some unknown, uh, you know, outcomes still to come. I do not believe that. Yes, we are fighting against the devil's schemes that still wage war, right, in our minds, and it affects our lives. But he has been, but he has been destroyed, disarmed, and driven out, just like we've been looking at. And I think that's a key for us to understand, that yes, we're fighting against the devil's schemes, and it is still waging war. And we still have these things going on in our minds and affecting our lives, but he has been destroyed, disarmed and driven out. And I want you to let that bring some strength and comfort and hope into your lives as you fight. I really believe it's an important mindset for us to have. You know, there's an example that kind of stuck in my head years and years ago. And I think, I think sometimes when pastors talk about this issue, they kind of talk about it in this like, you know, this war's going on, almost can give a picture. There's this equal opposites. There's 
God, the good, and there's the devil, the bad, and they're equal opposites that are battling against each other. And almost like all the character traits that God has, Satan has as well, which is just not true. So if you've got to face this as a battle, if you've got to look at a battle, because you say stand firm, you've got to look at it as a battle, I want you to think of it this way. Think of it like an NFL football game, right? And when I was talking about this with my wife the other day, she goes, what about baseball? It's more what's going to happen. And I go, well, baseball's not like a battle like football, okay? So I like football. Uh, I mean, I like baseball better than football, but I like it for the analogy. I want you to think about this battle going on, not to think about it as two top NFL teams that are battling and, and what's gonna, who's going to win, you know? That's sometimes what it feels like. If you're going to use a football analogy, you need to see a battle going on here. I want you to take an NFL football team and have them go against like an eight-year-old peewee football team. That's more the battle going on. It's really no battle at all, right? Defeat is already determined before the fight even happens. There's really not even a game actually happening. And I think that's how we have to see it. I think the scriptures through Christ give us that vision and give us that picture. So statements like the devil is attacking me, I just personally don't believe that is ever a true statement, ever. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not a real battle going on, right? It is real. It's just not that. (laughs) That's not the battle. And what you believe about this battle does affect your life. How you set your mind on this, man? And when you sit there and think, oh, I'm going to get attacked, I'm going to get attacked, man, that, that, that affects your brain, which ultimately affects your life in some profound ways. Man, just this morning, I was reading a book this morning early uh, before church here, and I came across a statement, and I'm all, that's it. The way he puts this just really impacted me. I wasn't even reading about the spiritual, this spiritual warfare Ephesians 6 part. I was just continuing on the book. But this is what Timothy Jennings says that I read this morning that really hit me. He said, God is working through Jesus to bring the universe back into unity with himself. That's what we've been talking about. He brings it back with himself by bringing us together, right? But the doctrine of justice when we have this justice focus, right? Rather than on reconciliation, this world to God and unifying people in love to each other, this, this doctrine of justice and saying inflames hostilities, increases hatred and causes divisions to grow ever deep. What he said next really stood out to me. Surely this is the venom of the serpent. It's the venom of the serpent. And it just made me, I don't know if he sees it the way I see it. I probably, he probably doesn't, right? But he might. But here's what really stood out to me in that statement. It's like we're dealing with the venom, not the snake. We're dealing with the venom. Yeah, there's still stuff going on. It's people's hearts and minds. We're still affected by sin and darkness and this stuff. It still causes the disunity and the violence and the anger and hatred and death that's still going on. But it's just the venom. It's the venom that continues to flow. So here's my question then. Why, what should we focus on then? Because I don't think really, for me, that we don't need to focus on what has already been defeated. Sometimes we get this, we got to focus on that and, you know, cast out whatever it might be. Man, I don't think we need to focus on what's already been defeated, but on the victory that's already been won. That's what we should focus on. And that's what Paul then goes on to say. When he talks about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, verse 14, he says this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So what Paul then wants them to actually put their hearts and their minds towards is something that I'm sure in that culture is something that they're very familiar with. And it's the need of armor when you're facing a battle. The need of armor. I mean, we don't live in that culture anymore. I mean, we don't put on armor, right? But they would have known this. And they would have known that putting on armor to face a battle was so important. So here, Paul paints this picture of armor to remind them, number one, that they're going into like to have this battle, right? But it's also even more importantly, reminding them of what they have in and through Christ. I mean, this is how he starts off the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, if you remember going back, he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. With every spiritual blessing. That's what he's talking about in the armor. In the armor, he's talking about those blessings. And it's by those blessings that we have from Christ that we then can be a blessing to others. Agents of togetherness, agents of unity, agents of peace. And that's how we stand against these schemes. We stand against the venom that's still flowing around without a doubt, the battle that's still there, and we fight against it. And we fight against that which could cause so much division and so much destruction. So let's just briefly go through, man, we can go through this armor and spend like a whole series on this armor without a doubt and take each one of them and talk about it. But here's what I wanna encourage you as you think back and go through this. All these things are dealt with throughout the book of Ephesians. Like almost every, every single one of them in some way or another is dealt with. So let's take a look. Truth, truth that God is for us, that God has a plan he will accomplish that we don't have to fear, right? He is victorious. And this plan is he's gonna bring everything in heaven and earth under Christ together. That's what we've looked at from the very beginning. That truth stands. Focusing on righteousness, righteousness. A righteousness not by heritage, that you're a Jew, or you're coming down this, this certain line, not by following the laws or belonging to the right religion, right? But it's a rightness with God by grace and love. That's the kingdom. He's bringing us to himself. He then goes on and says, peace, peace. Now, those that are near the Jews, those that are far away, the Gentiles, right? They have peace with God through Christ. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful pictures that's painted throughout this book. The dividing wall of hostility between them, broken down and destroyed. So that is now peace with God and there's peace with each other. Focus on that in this battle for togetherness. And faith, believing and trusting in these truths can extinguish, all right, the lies and the accusations that, that might come our way, that we might battle with still to this day. Faith and trust in what God lays out as his promises helps us fight against those things. Because man, when those things sink in, division and disunity comes out of it. Salvation, that this is all by grace, not works, right? 
that our salvation is by grace, not by works. Nothing we need to do to earn it. Just receive it and enjoy it and let our minds rest on that, this helmet of salvation. And then finally, he says, the spirit, the word of God, Jesus. He is always with us, leading and guiding us, never forsaking us, and he will empower us. To know that we are never alone is something to set our hearts and our minds on and will help us to stand against these schemes that want to divide and destroy instead of bring together and unify. What amazing promises. These are amazing promises that we have seen throughout the book of Ephesians that I mentioned earlier and with a very specific goal in mind, right? To help us see what we have in Christ and empower us towards togetherness. So you see, we fight for togetherness by remembering and trusting in the blessings that are ours in Christ. That's how we fight. This is the armor that we put on. It's kind of interesting. Well, how do I put on this armor? Man, I think this armor is what we believe, how we see things, right? That's what makes the biggest effect. It's focusing on these truths, these understandings over and over again, reminding us of what we have, who we are, and how powerful, beautiful, and wonderful the God is that we know and we trust in and we serve. As I mentioned earlier, when we realize, you know, how blessed we are, that's what empowers us. That's what empowers us to be a blessing and can help us seek unity and togetherness for the glory of God and the benefit of others. And it's an important, an important focus to have, remembering. I remember years ago, I heard a guy talk and it, this just hit me. And, and the question that he asked is, what's the opposite of remember? Um, I mean, this is 20 years ago. What's the opposite of remember? What, how would you answer that, right? Obviously my initial was forget, forget. And he said, no, it's dismember. It's dismember. I'll just never forget that. It dismembers me from these promises. And when I get dismembered, my brain gets dismembered. Then it begins to dismember people and it gets them to, to, to disunify and destroy each other. So remembering helps bring us together. It brings us an understanding of the blessings we have from God and empowers us to love others. So with that, right, I want us to look at Paul's final encouragement, Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. And so he finally says, and pray, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Prayer, how powerful can prayer be in this fight for togetherness? praying on all occasions with all different kinds of requests for all the saints. It's such an important reality and an encouragement to us. One thing I love about Ephesians is two different times in this short book, Paul teaches a prayer. He tells them, this is what I'm praying for you in. It's some of my favorite prayers in the Bible. We've looked at them already throughout this series, but let's go back to them. As he closes and encourages us to pray, let's go back and look. In Ephesians chapter one is his first prayer. He says in verse 18, I pray also, right? And what does he pray for? That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart, that your heart may see something, right? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably, comparable great power for us 
who believe. It's exactly what we've been talking about. He's saying, I hope that your heart's enlightened, right? I hope that you can see deep inside this hope in Christ, what he's called us to, and this power for us to believe, to live in togetherness and to advance the cause of Christ through togetherness. That's what he prays for them. Look what he goes on in Ephesians chapter three. He prays again in verse 18. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of Christ. What a beautiful prayer. And here's what I want you to consider when you think about prayer. Paul doesn't pray for God to intervene and change the circumstances they're finding. I mean, Paul's in prison when he writes this letter. So he's not praying for them to intervene and change circumstances. That's not what Paul prays for them. What does he pray, right? He prays that they may see the promises of God, trust in the Holy Spirit's power within them and grasp how deep and beautiful the love of God is. So here's the point, like we fight for togetherness through prayer by asking God to help empower us to accomplish it to open our eyes, to see what the blessing is that we have through him. Because when we grasp that, we will then understand and be empowered to be a blessing to others. And I think that's important for us to understand when it comes to prayer, that we're actually asking God, right? We're asking God to help us to understand this armor, these promises, you know, the truth and the righteousness and the peace, the faith and the uh, salvation, the word of God, the spirit of God, Jesus Christ. I mean, all these different things in the armor that are so valuable and so important for us to walk in, that he might then empower us to go and accomplish through us what he wants to accomplish, which is togetherness and unity, bringing things together, all things in heaven and earth together in Christ under one. So I pray that you might grab hold of that today, that this study we've done through the book of Ephesians might empower you to fight for togetherness, to fight for unity that Christ came to put on display. There is death and he resurrection. He gives us the power. He gives us the vision that our lives might be about unity and togetherness in our attitudes, that that's what we long for and which ultimately then will show itself in our actions. That's how we live. And God then uses you, as it says, as his ambassador to say, be reconciled to God, be reconciled together. This is the good news. This is the power of God in and through our lives. And it just might change your life and how you approach things. And through that, begin to change the world around us as well. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this book as we've just journeyed through uh, Ephesians over the last couple months. And, and, and may we grab hold of your heart for togetherness, your heart for unity. Man, what you did on that cross to show the heart of God, how you proved it through your resurrection, that this is what you're about. May our hearts and lives be about loving as you have loved us. May that create unity and togetherness in our homes and our neighborhoods and our communities and around the world. As your kingdom comes and your will is done in our lives, in our hearts and minds and through us to others. For your glory 
and your honor and your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, I want to say thank you again for joining us today. And I want to remind you that on Tuesday at noon, there's a little noontime nugget we're doing with Steve. And I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover this portion of scripture. And I have people ask questions. We make comments. It's on Instagram. So if you want to go to Instagram at Rancho Temecula at noon on Tuesday. I'll be on there live answering questions, uh, looking at comments and just talking a little bit more about this, uh, just how it's impacted me and stuff like that. So I hope you might join us on Tuesday. Come back next week as we start this new series. It's gonna be an awesome one. Hope you have a great day. God bless you and we'll see you soon.